This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like sixth grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. All right, everybody. Thanks again for all the hard work. Stay focused. Stay smart. Be ready for anything. We know how to do this. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. The race is going to be divided into three stages. Stage one, the stage will conclude. We're here today to confirm uh, the news you received this morning that I've decided to make. This season, my last is a NASCAR Cup. The best team all year long can now celebrate a championship. Martin Truex Jr. is a champion. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Hercules Tires. Ride on our strength. From the Motor Racing Network studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you for yet another week. On this week's show... Do a little something different. We're going to count down the top 10 stories of 2017. And to help us break down each story, well, we've got some of the Motor Racing Network personalities on hand. You'll hear from Joe Moore. We've got Jeff Striegel in the house. NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace is here, along with Dave Moody, Alex Hayden, Steve Post, Winston Kelly, Woody Kane, Kim Kuhn. Everybody's all stacked up, ready to give their thoughts and insights into these top 10 stories. And with that said... Let's hop right into it with our countdown with number 10. Number 10. Junior Motorsports Championship Xfinity Series program dominates while putting three cars into the final four at Homestead. Exiting turn four, William Byron sees the checkered flag. He will race for a championship along with two more of his junior motorsports teammates, Justin Allgaier and Elliot Sadler. Uh, we're building fast race cars at Junior Motorsports. And We've got Elliot Sadler contending for a championship, 42 years of age. I mean, I really want to be a NASCAR champion. It's been my dream since I was a kid. Sadler trying to circle the wagons now and get back after William Byron. Teammate with the gloves off here in the late lap. Byron. 19 years of age in his rookie season, William Byron becomes a NASCAR champion. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. is sitting here. He's going to congratulate every one of the crew. He's going to shake their hand. That's tough watching them guys battle like that together. It's hard to watch any of your guys lose one, but at least we'll be taking the trophy back to Mooresville. 
Kurt, you've had the opportunity to co-anchor a lot of our NASCAR Xfinity Series coverage this year. What are your thoughts about Junior Motorsports putting all three cars into the playoff race at Homestead? I think that it bodes well for the future of NASCAR. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Junior stepping away as a driver, and I understand that. There should be a lot of talk about it. But he's not going away. He's not leaving the sport. In fact, he's making quite an impact in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. When you can have a four-driver championship finale and one team puts three guys into that lineup. That's amazing. And you look at the drivers ranging from you had William Byron at 19 years of age, you had Justin Allgaier in his early 30s up to Elliot Sadler at age 42. So you had a tremendous diversity of age and experience within that group. Ends up with the rookie William Byron taking the title, uh, made for, for quite a championship finale. What were your thoughts on the season finale there and how that all unfolded? Because even though one team put three drivers in, it looks like those three teams had three totally different days. They, they did. You know, Justin Allgaier was was relatively quiet throughout the course of the day. He was in the top ten, but toward the back half of the top ten. I thought it was great that William Byron and Elliott Sadler ended up going head-to-head for the championship. The fans got to see a good battle there. The The other thing that, that crossed my mind that, that stood out was uh, rookie driver Cole Custer. I mean, there's a guy that missed the cut for the final four by a total of four points he ends up just with an overwhelming performance. Leads all but 18 laps and scores his first victory. I'm sure Cole is thrilled to have that win, but I think there's going to be a part of him that sits back and says, wow, what if? Alex? Junior Motorsports put three cars in the Xfinity Series playoffs. Pretty uh, pretty stout feat, wasn't it? Absolutely it was, and that's a, just a testament to the entire organization to, to not only have one or two, but put three race cars in the final four to run for a championship and when you think about it most most race teams they have a, a, a top driver a, a top team that just seems to be a little bit better than their the competition as far as in-house goes but for them to be able to to essentially put out even keel race cars across the board for their for their drivers for their crew chiefs for their engineers for every individual team there to be able to to work together and keep the eye on the ball and and, and basically come down to saying okay we've worked together to get to this point now it's it's every team for themselves it, it was nothing short of spectacular i mean i think i think that's something that's been overlooked quite a bit the interesting thing about what we saw in the fin- in the finale we heard a lot about how elliot sadler was working with william byron and it came down to those two at the end of the season, and the professor was getting a little frustrated with the student there at the end of the race. He, he was. He was. But, you know, to me, that's classic uh, youngster versus veteran because the youngsters come into these sports, whether it's racing or basketball or hockey or football, whatever the case is, and, and, and they have that degree of no fear. It's not a, it's not a lack of respect. Don't, don't get the two confused. It's the no fear. Here's what I'm here for. I'm going to get it. Yeah, I know you're a veteran. I know you know how to drive a race car. But you know what? I have every right to be racing for this championship as well. I thought it was a clean race between Sadler and Byron in the closing laps uh, trying to win that championship. I hate that that there was another uh, driver that kind of got involved and wedged their way in between the two uh, to, to kind of take away that, that drama over the last couple of laps. But either way, what, what a fight between teammates. And I thought it was clean but I thought it was hard racing. Coming up, we'll look at the ninth top story of 2017 as NASCAR Live continues. 
Facebook and Twitter, MRN is there. Follow MRN on social media for all the latest happenings from the track and in NASCAR. Breaking news, video, photos, live races and shows, stats, opinion, and more. Follow along on MRN's Facebook and Twitter. Race fans, do you have an old car, motorcycle, boat, or RV just taking up space? Put that vehicle to good use by donating it to the NASCAR Foundation. Your donated vehicle will help kids in our racing communities live happier, healthier lives. Simply call 844-NASCAR-9 and your vehicle will be towed and auctioned. You get a tax deduction and the NASCAR Foundation gets the proceeds. Again, to donate, please call 844-NASCAR-9. Need to find your local MRN radio station? Taking a trip and want to listen to NASCAR races? Go to MRN.com. Click on stations to find all MRN's local radio stations. Plan a trip and map out MRN stations along your route. MRN on your local stations. Tune in. Coming up, we'll look at the ninth top story of 2017. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live's countdown of the top 10 biggest stories of the 2017 NASCAR season. Number nine, NASCAR's officiating dominates headlines. NASCAR said that was an encumbered finish. And of course that means points are deducted points he would have had. In the case of the 22 team, Joey Logano and Todd Gordon, what NASCAR found was related to the rear end suspension. What we got in trouble for was, was something that really didn't make our car any faster. That dream weekend, Kurt, turned into a nightmare on Wednesday afternoon when NASCAR announced that as a result of post-race inspections at their Concord, North Carolina R&D Center, that both of Denny Hamlin's wins last weekend at Darlington were now encumbered. We build in tolerances, and those that track ate up those tolerances. That process had never been done after that racetrack ever before. If it, the shoe was on the other foot and it was one of my competitors, I would expect the same kind of penalty. I want to talk to you about NASCAR and how it's had to officiate this year. Um, a lot of folks say that, you know, when I tune in for a race, I don't tune in to hear about the officials. You know, I don't want to hear about the officials. I want to I want to see the contest. I want to see the race. I want to see all that and forget all that other stuff. However, you're dealing with a bunch that keeps doing stuff to make NASCAR respond. Where do you where do you fall with all this uh, that NASCAR's had to get involved in, whether it's moving the overtime line or those LIS inspection failures and all that and happy hour penalties and sitting on pit road? Where do you land, Rusty, on on NASCAR getting involved and and its need to get involved and keep the competition in check this year? I love this sport. It's done great for me. It's made me a wonderful living, and I really always love to talk positive things about it. But there are just some things that I'm just not real big on, and I'm not big on all the rules. I just don't like so many rules. And, you know, if I had a NASCAR guy sitting right here, he might pop up and say, well, give me an example. Tell me what you don't like. And I'm like, okay, I don't like all these laser inspections. I don't like the cars missing techno inspection by one or two thousands. I don't like that how tight the tolerance is all. There's a lot of things about the rules officiating that I think are excessive. They get too deep and they check too many things. And I really wish that we could just stand back a little bit and go, which ones of these rules do we really need and what do we and what don't we need? And, and, and maybe say, okay, if there's 50 of them here, let's try to get this down to the 25. I, so I think that we've got a little carried away with so many rules and the type of equipment that we use to technically inspect the cars and stuff like that. Now, there's going to be a lot of people disagree, and that's fine. Uh, I gave you my opinion. I didn't say anything negative except <laughs> I don't like all the 
all the ways we're doing it nowadays. I, I, that's the one blessing that I've got coming from the past and seeing what we did in the past and how it worked. Winston, what do you think? Uh, you normally don't want the official to be the story. I do think it has been more the story than we would like, especially uh, with the inspection process, the LIS system, folks not having practice time, things like that. I think that has been more of a story than I think even NASCAR would like. Number eight, a new generation of NASCAR stars emerges. Chase Elliott showing he's not just a great qualifier. He's a good racer at Daytona. He hangs on, blocks again. Goodbye, Kyle Larson. What an afternoon for the youngster after finishing second in the Knoxville National. He leads and he leads by a bunch. William Byron told us he would win tonight, and indeed he does. And 23-year-old Brian Blaney will score his first career win here at Pocono Raceway. I grew up here watching my dad race. I remember this racetrack very well, and uh, uh, it's so cool to, to get the Wood Brothers in victory lane number this one. This is the moment our race car driver lives for, leading the field at Talladega Super Speedway with big names behind him, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in that position. You know, I've put a lot of hard work into this. My team, Roush Fenway, Ford, everyone's put a lot of hard work into this, and uh, to finally see it come together uh, is pretty, pretty special. We have seen quite the purge of veteran household names in the last couple of years and now we've got guys like Blaney, Chase Elliott, Daniel Suarez, Eric Jones coming on to the scene. Um, while it's sad to see the old generation fade away, I think our future is bright with the new young guns that are coming up. You know, I'm I'm old enough. I'm older than both of you guys. Uh, not much, but a little. I remember when when we went into an absolute panic a couple of decades or more ago because Petty was retiring. Pearson was retiring, Yarborough was retiring, Baker was hurt and probably not going to race more than a couple of more years. All of the great, the, the Allison brothers were getting, you know, getting a little long in the tooth. Oh, my God, what are we going to do when all those guys retire? We're not going to have a sport anymore. Nobody will buy tickets anymore. And then you, 15 minutes later, it seemed like you turned around and there's Bill Elliott and there's Rusty Wallace and there's Tim Richmond and there, there, there are all these great young stars that came in. And, and when Petty and Pearson and Yarbrough retired, sure, we missed them, but we never missed a beat. And you look at that, uh, that gaggle of young talent right now. I, mean, I remember the days, and, and no offense intended here, I remember the days not too long ago where Kevin Conway could win Cup Series Rookie of the Year by showing up for about half the races and finishing 30th. Ain't like that anymore. We've had three of the best rookie classes back to back to back, I would say maybe in the history of the sport in the last three years. I remember when Richard Petty went to the sidelines. I was a big fan of Richard growing up, and I used to love the, the Petty-Pearson battles. And uh, I, I was one of these people that when, when those guys stepped away, I, I said the whole, oh, it'll never be the same without him again. And sure, you, you hate to see that time come, but when you look to the future, one of the things I love because of somebody that, you know, when you love racing history, I think that uh, you look at, at names like Elliott and Blaney. For sentimental reasons, it's fun to see those names sustained in the sport. You look at a Daniel Suarez who brings an international flavor to NASCAR. You look at an Eric Jones who had a lot of success. He won a championship in the truck series as a rookie and now you know at the start of this cup season 
Eric Jones looked like a fish out of water. At Speed Weeks in Daytona, he was standing in the garage area, leaning up against the wall with his arms folded across his chest. And, you know, he had a look on his face. I remember that look. It was like I, it was the same facial expression I would get on the morning of a trigonometry test in high school. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and look how I'm he has trouble. <laughs> right. And look how Eric has matured through the course of the season. When, when he had that big run at Darlington and came home with a fifth-place finish on Labor Day weekend, when you're a rookie, you can run like that at Darlington. That's a pretty good sign for your future. Coming up next, the seventh top story of 2017. The thought of winter coming can be chilling. Knee-deep snow, face-numbing winds, frozen fingers, temperatures below zero. And yet, without a Duralast car battery, it could be even worse. That's why Duralast batteries are tested to perform in harsh conditions. So even if it's 40 below zero, your car can start up like it's 72 and sunny. Duralast, proven tough and only at AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone, AutoZone. In racing, there is no greater feeling. There is no greater history. There is no greater tradition than the Daytona 500. And this February 18th, there is no greater place to be as the Great American Race celebrates its 60th running. Last year sold out, so there is no greater time than now to guarantee your seats. Join us for the history-making 60th running of the Daytona 500. Sunday, February 18th. Guarantee your seats at 1-800-PIT-SHOP or Daytona500.com. Coming up next, the seventh top story of 2017. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live's countdown of the top 10 biggest stories of the 2017 NASCAR season. Number seven. You know, you think back to the great New York Yankees or the Dallas Cowboys or the Detroit Red Wings, and we all celebrate a regular season championship, and Truex, with even a race to go, can clinch it here in another lap. Martin Truex Jr. dominates, earning the first regular season championship in Cup Series history. The march to Miami continues for Martin Truex Jr. Win number seven. It comes today here at Kansas Speedway. It would suck to win the regular season championship and just completely lose your, your shot at winning a title. You know, it rewards the guys that, that performed at a high level all season long that I think deserve to uh, to be you know around late in the playoffs. Very dominating season. Kurt, what are your thoughts about what the 78 bunch has been able to put together. Well, you know, I think that they entered 2017. First of all, they, they had a good 2016 until they ran into that situation with the blown engine at Talladega in the playoffs. And I, I have no doubt that that has, uh, use whatever cliche you want, lit a fire under them, unfinished business, insert cliche here. But they have, uh, you know, it's one thing to come out at the start of the next year and in the opening months to come out swinging and say, yeah, we're going to make sure that this doesn't happen again and we're going to assert ourselves. To carry that through the entire course of a 10-month campaign is remarkable. Did any of you anticipate the dominance of Martin Truex Jr. this year. Jeff, your thoughts? Well, I would say to some degree, yes. Uh, and the reason is what they did last year. I don't think that last year maybe he flew under the radar. Uh, and I think if anybody thought that that was just a one-off, we got lucky kind of season, they made a big mistake, obviously, looking back now. Um, they were good last year. We thought, you know, all of us, I think, thought that Truex would be racing at Homestead a year ago for a championship, but it was a blown engine at Talladega that took him out. They turn right about or turn right around and come back in Daytona just as good as how they left off 
last year. I think, Joe, what may be surprising to me is the dominance that he had, albeit he was good at every racetrack, the way he dominated the mile-and-a-half racetracks this year. Well, yeah, and and, and to go back to, to where you started last season, they had speed last year. Yeah. They were as fast as anybody and as fast last year as they were this year. The difference was the execution wasn't there last year. They made a lot of mistakes. Going back to the Church of Rusty, don't make mistakes. <laughs> they did that a lot in the 2015 season or 2016 season. Can you fix that? They did a lot in the 2016 season. But in 2017, they learned how to race without making mistakes. And that made all the difference in the world. And, and to look back at Martin Truex and the fact that just a few years ago, he was close to walking out the door because after the Michael Waltrip racing incident, you know, when he lost the ride there, you know, he's floundering around. Nobody knew what the future would hold. To see that come together with this team based in Denver, Colorado, and then you add the other elements, uh, his girlfriend, Sherry Pollux, and then uh, Barney Visser, the team owner, with his right. medical problems at the end of uh, the 2017 season. Suddenly, you know, he's every man's racer. You know, he's a fan favorite and is getting it done. Number six, NASCAR implements a new point system which introduces stage racing. Here's Executive Vice President of NASCAR, Steve O'Donnell. The race is going to be divided into three stages. Stage one, the stage will conclude on a specific lap, so every race fan, every crew member, every team member will know in advance what constitutes a stage length. It's all Dale Earnhardt Jr. I do like it, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that this is a change. I like what Brad said when he said if we were going to start from scratch, this is probably how we would do it from the beginning. Hamlin saves it, and across the line comes Denny Hamlin. It's going to have the four strongest cars, I believe, all year long in that final four race in Homestead. So I think, you know, the, the four fan that said that they liked it before the chase came along or before the playoffs, this is more like that. So we got a brand new point system and stage racing in 2017. Winston, how do you think that affected everything? Hugely. I think that's one of the two top stories of the year, along with Dale Earnhardt Jr. moving on uh, and getting out of the driver's seat. I think the way it has changed people racing. You know, I go back, the first time it really hit me uh, was at Martinsville, the first Martinsville race at the end of the first stage. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. moved the leader, Kyle Busch, out of the way to get back on the lead lap. You wouldn't have seen that happen on lap 135 in the past. And Kyle didn't even win that stage. So it caused much more aggressive racing. And he, you know, he didn't wreck him. He just moved him up because he needed to get back on the lead lap to be able to continue to race for those points. So I think it's one of the two biggest stories of the year. I think what's been fascinating about the, the stage racing and all that comes with it is the evolution of it. When when we got to Daytona and, and unloaded the race cars for the first time, nobody was really sure how this was going to come into play. Some people were still in the garage quite frankly confused on how this was going to play a quarter of the way through the season you're starting to see some of these teams specifically Truex for instance and Kyle Larson and Kevin Harvick picking up stage points and how that's working about halfway through the year the light bulb went off above the, the heads of a lot of these teams and said oh my this is a lot bigger than what we even imagined it was going to be and by then the Truexes the Larsons the Harvicks they had accumulated so many points their advantage was so big I think it's just been fascinating to see how the teams have adapted and how this whole system has evolved and these these competitors trying to figure this out as they go along it's not like they had a preseason to figure it out they had to figure it out and figure it out on the run I think Truex and Elliott Sadler's team figured it out going into the season and they auto 
off the bat, they race for the stage points. Where are they? They're here competing for a championship. Just like Jimmy and Chad figured out how to race the the original chase format and get ready for those last 10 races, I think those guys figured out stage racing and targeted as many stage points as possible and as many stage wins as possible, and they accomplished it, and now they're here at the, running for a championship. Pete, how do you think that changed things? I think it changed things tremendously. I think the racing itself, the intensity of it got much better. There were points of races this year that I know for sure without stages we wouldn't see racing like that. I think the points were still a little bit cumbersome early on for a lot of the fans, a lot of our listeners, but I think once they got their arms around that and understood it, I think that also helped things a lot, and certainly you saw what Martin Truex Jr. did this year. He got into the championship for through the point system. I think next year you're going to see people pay even more attention to it. This is NASCAR Live's Top 10 Stories of 2017. We'll look at number five next. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Gotta get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Motor Racing Network has a way for you to reach out and express your thoughts and opinions on NASCAR. It's the MRN Fan Forum Hotline. Just wondering what's the first thing you can I was think curious about those new rules from what I heard. Call in 844-4-ASK-MRN. Got a question or comment for a driver or MRN personality? 844-4-ASK-MRN. It's the Fan Forum Hotline, your connection to the sport of NASCAR. The fifth top story of 2017 is coming up next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live's countdown of the top 10 biggest stories of the 2017 NASCAR season. Number five. You know, as we get towards the end of the season, typically we start hearing news about the upcoming season, driver changes and whatnot. Silly season madness. You know, it varies from year to year. Some years there's a few. Uh, Some years there's a lot. And this year is certainly in that latter category. As cup drivers play musical chairs ahead of the 2018 season. One of the most uh, recent uh, pieces of news we heard was earlier this week that Eric Almarola will be leaving Richard Petty Motorsports and moving over to Stuart Haas Racing. That's the one thing about our sport is that it's not just about driving the race car. It's a business, too. And, uh, and also Bubba Wallace making the move over to take his spot at Richard Petty Motorsports. From our standpoint, where we're at in racing right now, it was a no-brainer. Kane will not return to the number five car, and that uh, instead William Byron will take over that job for Hendrick Motorsports next year. Incoming, you've got Bowman, Byron, and Eric Jones moving from the 77 to the 20. You know, that's one of the many pieces of silly season 2017 that remain to be answered. While drivers have stepped aside in the sport, We've also had some drivers rearrange some of the chairs and will find their their new home in 2018. Dave, what do you think about what are some of the bigger names that have changed seats here uh, in the offseason get ready for next season? Yeah, I'm really interested to see Bubba Wallace and Richard Petty Motorsports. And, you know, we, we could talk about the fact that it's, it's about racing rather than race, but it's not. It, we're long overdue. It's been way too long. It's been a half a century since Wendell Scott was a full-time NASCAR driver. 
We've not had an African-American full-time NASCAR driver in a half century. And in the year 2017, it's inexcusable. So I'm thrilled to death to see Bubba Wallace get the opportunity. The next step now is for Richard Petty Motorsports to upgrade its program sufficiently that Bubba Wallace can show just how good he is. Pete, what do you think? I want to talk about Eric Almirola. Uh, I think this is a stage now where Eric Almirola goes from Richard Petty Motorsports and over to Stuart Haas Racing. And I, I don't mean to be callous when I say this, but there's no excuses now. He's going to be in equipment that he needs to show the talent that I think everybody thinks he has. And now he's going to be the race team that had a guy in the championship for this year with Kevin Harvick that I think Eric's going to have to show everybody that he can be a, be a wheelman, be a, be a driver. And I think there's going to be a lot of attention there. Certainly he'll be a compared to a lot about what Danica Patrick did there. I think Eric Amarola and the tenant Stewart Haas Racing, to me, is going to be a very interesting story to watch next year. Kurt, give me another name on that list. Talk about Ryan Blaney. You know, here's, here's someone who, for one thing, as he has driven for the Wood Brothers, there have been a lot of folks that have enjoyed watching the resurgence of the Wood Brothers organization with Ryan Blaney at the wheel, put him in victory lane at Pocono this year. Now, he goes on to drive for Penske next season. Well, somebody pulled me aside and they said, well, given the, the, the technical alliance between the Wood Brothers and Team Penske, they said it may not be exactly the same thing entirely as leaving Organization A and going to Organization B. In a, in a way, he, he is still working really under the same umbrella. Matt Kenseth will start 16th today in his first Winston Cup race ever. Off turn number two, looking for the million-dollar payday. Matt Kenseth for the final time. I really appreciate this opportunity they've given me. they got a great bunch of guys here, and uh, McDonald's Ford's a, a really good race car. It's really an honor to be in a car this good for my first Cup race. Dale Hart Jr. appeals to the outside. Side can't make it happen. Matt Kenseth is going to win the Daytona 500. Done things I never dreamed I would have a chance to do. I never even thought I'd have a chance to race in the, in the Cup Series full time before. So I'll be able to do that these years and, and have that success. Matt Kenseth, the new Winston Cup champion. Unbelievable. You know, it's it's beyond my wildest dreams. I'd ever thought I'd ever have the opportunity to sit in one of these cars, much less be the champion. Here's Matt Kenseth diving to the bottom of turns three and four, looking for victory in Darlington. I'm pretty to play football at 40 and still win Super Bowls. I think 45 is pretty young to try to win races, I would think. Matt Kenseth with absolutely nothing to lose. Chase Elliott with everything to lose. Matt Kenseth becomes the spoiler today in the Arizona desert. He will win the Can-Am 500. Rusty, you've raced against Matt Kenseth. What's, uh, what's he like to race against, and uh, what does he bring to the sport? Uh, great name. I tell you, that guy, I, I grew up with him in the short tracks of the Midwest, and he really understands his car. Matt has been one of the guys that – Whatever the car is doing, he can always give really good feedback. And a lot of times he can tell you how to fix the car. He's got a little bit of old school in him, which I think is good because he's been there, done that. And if he goes to different situations on the racetrack, generally he can help his team fix the car and get it back on track. But he's a guy that uh, if you're getting right down to the end of the race, you need a good cagey veteran in there to close the deal and get it done for you. Matt Kenseth's your guy. I think he's a fantastic driver. I'm really surprised that he's hanging his hat up this early. I really am. But uh, I know rides are hard to get out there, really good rides, and uh, maybe that's what it is with Matt. He just doesn't want to wait. But, man, he's he's done it all. Won the Daytona 500, the big mile-and-a-half races, the short tracks, everything. So he can uh, go to bed at night and say, you know what, I've been there, done that. I really contributed. I think that – uh, when he dropped the news at Kentucky back in the uh, back in the summer months, everybody started scratching their head. And at that time, it looked like Matt was going to have a ride. Obviously, he doesn't. He's run his final cup race at Homestead. Kurt, in your opinion, what is Matt Kenseth's legacy? Well, his legacy is he's a champion. 
his legacy is the fact that he's also not only a champion, but he's won some of the sport's biggest races, two-time Daytona 500 winner. Part of his legacy is, given his background as a Wisconsin native, he brought in his own set of fans from the Midwest and the upper Midwest and helped generate some interest in that part of the country, increase the level of interest there. And I think the other part of his legacy is the fact that uh, as, as I've watched him, as he has reached this point, I don't see a lot of panic. I see a guy that says, okay, you know, I don't have, a, I don't have my ride for 2018, but I'm cool with that. You know what? He said he went to a Metallica concert uh, right after the, the news was officially announced last summer, and he said it made me feel like I was 20 years old again, he said at least for a couple of hours. <laughs> but, but that's a good spot to be in in life when you say, all right, I know what I want. I know what I need at this stage in my career, and uh, I'm willing to step away and just let, let things sort themselves out. I just when I think of Matt Kenseth, I, I just think of what a class act he has been from the start. Uh, with with the possible exception of one unfortunate afternoon in Martinsville, Virginia, a year ago, I don't ever remember Matt Kenseth doing or saying anything that didn't make the sport proud to have him around. And you know, on that day in Martinsville, he clearly felt that a line had been crossed, and he and he had to stand up for himself and his team. And even if you don't agree with how he did it, you respect the sentiment behind it. But you know, I just you look at Matt Kenseth, and he has represented this sport impeccably for more than 20 years. We've got the top three stories of 2017 coming up next as NASCAR Live continues. Motor Racing Network has always been your source for motorsports coverage when you couldn't be at the track. Now, never miss another minute of our breathtaking coverage with the MRN app, available on your iPhone or Android device. This free app delivers all the latest news, locates nearby MRN stations, streams your favorite programs, and is your home for live cup practice and qualifying action. Search MRN in the App Store or on Google Play. It's the Motor Racing Network at your fingertips, and it's available for free right now. It's Rob Tanner, host of America's Tailgate Party, NASCAR USA. Join us every weekend as we get you set for NASCAR racing with two hours of the hottest hits in country music. The Motor Racing Network's Woody Kane is here with NASCAR News. And MRN pit reporter Steve Post stops by to talk a little racing. We'll have features and highlights you can't get anywhere else, so be here each weekend for NASCAR USA on the Motor Racing Network. We've got number three next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live's countdown of the top ten biggest stories of the 2017 NASCAR season. Number three. Chase Elliott to the lead. Hamlin second. Kyle Busch. Oh, Elliott spins, and he slams the outside retaining wall. Cup Series playoff surprises. Well, Denny Hamlin jacked up the 24. Make no mistake about that. Got punted from behind and, and wrecked in turn three, leading the race. So I don't know what I don't know what his problem was. I don't know that I've ever heard Virginia native Denny Hamlin booed here in his home state. Elliott right on that rear bumper gives Hamlin a little nudge. They're side by side off board. Double for Hamlin. The tire's gone down. He's in the outside wall in turn number three. Kyle Larson's day, Joe, appears to be over. Smoke pouring from his Chevy as he crosses the start finish line. Oh, and Johnson's around. Jimmy Johnson is in the outside wall. He'll spin all the way up to the bank. He was very animated. No punches were thrown. But I can tell you, neither one of those drivers is accepting the other one's explanation of what went on. Playoff drama. We had lots of it. 
You had Kyle Larson not making it to Homestead. He was a preseason favorite to run for the title. You had Matt Kenseth getting punted out on a technicality. Jimmy Johnson's horrible year, horrible playoffs. You know, Denny Hamlin and, and Chase Elliott at Martinsville and Phoenix. What do you think, outside of championship-winning material, what do you think one of the number one stories is from this year's playoffs? Winston, what do you think? Well, we do an exhibit called Memorable Moments at the Hall of Fame, and I think the Hamlin-Elliott thing, uh, we've got to figure out how to tell that. But those definitely were memorable moments with what happened with, uh, with, with Denny basically punting uh, Chase Elliott and then Chase and Denny's situation at uh, Phoenix. And somebody tweeted out after the race, it's interesting, had Denny Hamlin not punted Chase Elliott when he did, Chase probably goes on and win that, wins that race. Denny is in great shape to win at Phoenix. He's not leading at the time. But Chase races him different. They both might be in had that not happened. Jeff, your thoughts on the Hamlin-Elliott situation? Oh, man. I, I, we've seen that thing played out so many times. You know what? I'm still going to go back and look at it this way. When I, when I look at what happened at Martinsville, uh, Denny wrecked Chase. You know, I think I said it at that moment that way. He wrecked him. Uh, I didn't see it that way. There's a couple things here, Mike. We could we could spend a lot of time on this. I didn't see it unfold that way in Phoenix, uh, but I will say this because I don't think Chase wrecked them. I think they were racing incredibly hard, and they made contact, and he got in the wall. We all know the outcome. But what I will say is this. Um, both of those two circumstances could have been avoided. Both of those two drivers could have been in the championship four if they would have allowed their, how do I want to say this, if they just would have allowed their ability behind the wheel to take over rather than their emotion at the moment. Kurt, what, what moment in the playoffs to you was the most dramatic? The, the most dramatic, or maybe more accurately, the most surprising to me was when it became evident Kyle Larson was not going to be in the championship four at Homestead, and, and here's why I say that. Kyle Larson, as aggressive as he is, as talented as he is, if one had a criticism, it might have been the one-dimensional aspect that coming into this year he had shown the ability to do well on a two-mile layout at a Michigan or a Fontana. He needed to broaden that resume. Well, he did. He, he won the pole on the road course at Sonoma this year. He won the regular season finale on the short track at Richmond. When he won the regular season finale and did it on a track less than a mile in circumference, I thought, okay, this guy's on his way, and when we get to Homestead, he'll be in the championship four, and he has the natural driving style to fit Homestead, running that high line right up next to the wall. That was dramatic to me once he got knocked out. The other guys going forward knew they wouldn't have to deal with him for a championship when they got to Miami. Dave? For me, it wasn't one moment. It was a series of moments, and it was the moments when we realized that it was not going to happen for Jimmy Johnson this year. We went to, you know, he, he hadn't performed well in a couple or three months, hadn't been close to a win in that long. Well, don't worry, we're going to Charlotte. It, it, everything gets better for Jimmy at Charlotte, and it didn't happen. Well, it's, it's okay, we still got Martinsville dead ahead, and it didn't happen at Martinsville. Yeah, but there's always Dover, and it didn't happen at Dover. And gradually, as the weeks went on, it became clear that Chad and Jimmy were not going to be able to pull out that golden horseshoe and resurrect their season again. And, and, you know, their horrible season, most teams would kill for, 
but but it was so far below their standards. I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens with them next year. A lot of folks were saying, oh, we get to the playoffs, they're going to hit the switch. Well, the problem is the switch had no juice. Didn't happen. Yeah, it just didn't happen. And if, if you guys are like me, when I talk to folks who either – are just casual fans of the sport, or they don't work in the sport, they're not directly involved with NASCAR, that is the question I have gotten more from anyone as we have moved deeper into the campaign and into the playoff picture. Hey, what's going on with Jimmy Johnson? What's going on with the 48 team? So I think to the general public, that was truly one of the big storylines. And what a compliment it is for, for Jimmy and Chad. They won three races this year. They're, they're going to finish in the top ten in points. Right. And people around this sport, people that live in it every day and just casual fans are like, oh, my God, what happened to Jimmy Johnson? He only won three races this year. But what they've done him- it to themselves, though. Oh, sure. With They're past totally performance, they, they have totally done that to, to themselves. We expect so much of them. It's ridiculously unfair to expect what we expect from that 48 team. But as you said, it's totally self-inflicted. We're counting down the top 10 stories of 2017. Coming up next, it's number two. Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Okay, time out. You gonna let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Join MRN as we travel through the life of NASCAR's most popular driver, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. comes back to the Daytona International Speedway, leading the pack. I won races that I never thought I'd win. From growing up under the Earnhardt name to super speedway wins to Whiskey River, we dive into everything Dale Jr. He's brain man for NASCAR history. You know, we weren't the typical family that got to sit down to dinner together. Tune in to Junior's Journey, available on iTunes for download only on the Motor Racing Network. We're down to just the top two stories of 2017, and they are coming up next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live's countdown of the top 10 biggest stories of the 2017 NASCAR season. Number two. We're here today to confirm uh, the news you received this morning that I've decided to make this season my last as a NASCAR Cup driver. Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s racing career comes to an end. Uh, You're wondering why I reached this decision. It's really simple. I just wanted the opportunity to go out on my own terms. Dale Earnhardt Jr. will win for the sixth time at Talladega Super Speedway. I'll admit that having influence over my exit only became meaningful uh, when it started to seem most unlikely. Dale Earnhardt Jr. pulls down to the start-finish line. He will win the 46th running of the Great American Race. As you know, I missed a few races last year, and during that time, I had to face the realization that my driving career may have already ended without me as so much getting a vote at the table. Dale Earnhardt Jr. announcing his retirement. Jeff, were you surprised when we got that news back in May? No, I wasn't surprised at the news, Mike. I think I was more surprised at the timing of it. I think based on everything that we saw him go through over the course of the last couple of years led me to believe that it was coming. I was surprised, though, Mike, at the timing of it. Uh, It just seemed um, awkward, and, and, and then the more I thought about it, the more it made sense to me that Dale Jr., uh, was retiring on his own terms, Joe, and not the fact that, you know, that he was trying to play to TV or radio or anybody else. 
uh, it was about him. And when the time came, he made the announcement. I think it was very organic the way it came out that way. And I, and I, I agree with you uh, that when it first came out, I thought, well, why would you announce that so soon? Why not just, if that's the plan, walk away? But when you look at the whole body of work of Junior, his dad, the Earnhardt legacy in our sport, you know, that deserves a little more attention. And then uh, sort of what Jeff said, it, it suddenly started to make sense. That probably is the way it should have been done. Kurt, what do you think? I, I was wondering, as the year continued to unfold, would he still feel as comfortable with that decision himself by the time we got to the season finale at Homestead? And he is, Dave. He clearly is, yeah. yes. He, he clearly is. He he is at peace with his decision. He's not going anywhere. He's... He, I think he may arguably be of more value to our sport in the TV booth than he ever was as a driver because his commentary, his analysis, his point of view on our sport, there's a reason why every time they put him behind a microphone in the media center, 10,000 people like us show up to hear what he's going to say because he's always got something good to say. I hope we don't lose Twitter Dale. To me, that's better than water cooler oh, awesome. Dale. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's awesome. It's awesome. It took him forever to get in touch with social media. He rebelled. He resisted. He pushed it away. And then the it was like from the first tweet, it's like, hey, this is kind of fun. And, and he's never stopped. It's great. Pete, what do you think? Just your thoughts on, on Junior and this transition for him and also his fandom now that um, I don't want to say is left high and dry, but – They've watched Dad go. Now they're watching Junior step into retirement. Just your overall thoughts on um, on what Junior's given to the sport and the void that he'll create when he steps away. I think Dale Junior is a guy that you can look at his career maybe in two ways. When he came in, he was Dale Earnhardt Senior's son, still is, but I think he was in that shadow. And then when his father passed away, he had I thought the weight of the world put on his shoulders to carry the sport forward. I think he did. Uh, he's a guy that transcends this sport. You can go out on the street right now and ask somebody to name me a NASCAR driver, and I'll bet you 9 out of 10 would say Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think the legacy is that. I think the legacy is also what he did to bring attention to head injuries and the concussion and all of that stuff that never was talked about in NASCAR. And I think the good news is, if you're a Dale Jr. fan, he's not going to go completely away. He's still a team owner. He's going to run some Xfinity Series races. He's going to do TV next year. But that's a superstar that you just don't snap your fingers and replace. And I think the legacy of Dale Earnhardt Jr. is he might be one of, if not the greatest, maybe superstar we've had in the sport, certainly in the last decade or so. Rusty, your thoughts? Dale Earnhardt Jr., you can go anywhere in the country and you can mention the name Dale Earnhardt Jr. And everybody says, oh, yeah, I heard of that guy. He's the NASCAR guy. They all know the name. And that same thing can't be said about a lot of people. I mean, at the track, everybody gets the drivers. But when you get away, when you go to major big metro cities and you're there and you're saying names like Dale Earnhardt Jr., there's not really many people that I've talked to that don't know who he is. And so he's really made a, a, a name recognition, recognition for himself. He has uh, really helped NASCAR a ton. He's going to be greatly missed. There's no doubt about that, although he will be in the NBC broadcast booth, so he's not totally going away. And he's still going to be a car owner in the Xfinity Series. So we haven't lost him completely, that's for sure, uh, about being around the racetrack. But he's he's done a lot. I mean, how many times has he been the most popular driver? I don't know the number, but it's a lot. We're almost to the top. Coming up next, we've got the number one story of 2017 on NASCAR Live. The thought of winter coming can be chilling. Knee-deep snow, face-numbing winds, frozen fingers, temperatures below zero. And yet, without a Duralast car battery, it could be even worse. 
That's why Duralast batteries are tested to perform in harsh conditions. So even if it's 40 below zero, your car can start up like it's 72 and sunny. Duralast, proven tough and only at AutoZone. America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone, AutoZone. In racing, there is no greater feeling. There is no greater history. There is no greater tradition than the Daytona 500. And this February 18th, there is no greater place to be as the Great American Race celebrates its 60th running. Last year sold out, so there is no greater time than now to guarantee your seats. Join us for the history-making 60th running of the Daytona 500. Sunday, February 18th. Guarantee your seats at 1-800-PIT-SHOP or Daytona500.com. This is NASCAR Live's countdown of the top 10 biggest stories of the 2017 NASCAR season. Number one. It's a two-man race for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Championship. The 2017 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Championship race. Does Kyle Busch have one more run left in him to try and wrestle the lead and the championship away from Truex? One lap to go in the race, one lap to go in the season, one lap till Martin Truex can celebrate a championship at Homestead. Here he comes off the end of the back straightaway. Martin Truex Jr. on his way to become a champion. The best team all year long can now celebrate a championship. How about this, Martin Truex Jr.? 2017 champion, baby. You are the champion, baby. Here he comes off turn number four for the final time and under the checkered flag. Oh, my God. Oh, my and Martin Truex Jr. is a champion. He's also a race winner as he scores the win in the Ford EcoBoost 400. You guys are awesome. Thank you. That, to me, was one of the more interesting races that I've seen, a season-ending race, where you've got four guys, not necessarily equal, because Keselowski really wasn't in the mix. But when you look at two Toyotas and two Fords, obviously Chevy not a part of the mix, but you've got Truex, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, that's a solid lineup right there. It really is, and, and what a duel at the end with Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. I mean, as Steve said earlier, Martin Truex Jr. was clearly the class of the field all season long. It would have been nuts had he not won the championship, but it wasn't all that long ago the New England Patriots went 16-0 and and lost in the Super Bowl. It happens, but I think that is the kind of thing that you're looking for from those guys. They showed it all year long. They won what? Uh, I think it was the final count, $11 million in three stages, something like that along the way. And and they, they used the math to their advantage. They they were fast the year before a lot, but there was no stage racing then. They didn't get to take advantage of it. I think they played that game better than anybody through the year. Steve, isn't this what every race car driver should do every single weekend if you have a fast car? Go to the front, lead laps, win races? Seems pretty simple to me. Very simple. And they just, they, they didn't exploit the rules. They exploited the fact that they had a fast race car and they put it at the front of the field all, all race long, all yeah. season long. And I think that that's what it should be about. That's what racing is about, to do that. And so, yeah, the rules played into their favor, but they didn't come up with a grand scheme. The grand scheme is let's build fast race cars and go out and lead every lap and flog everyone into submission. Yeah. <laughs> and, man, there were some races where they flogged everyone into submission. My mm -hmm. gosh, there were some races where they just decimated the field. That's racing. You know, we get into this. There's not enough passing. Well, sometimes in racing, there's not passing because someone whoops everyone. And the strategy and abacus aside, or is abacai, is that plural? Whatever. Abacai, you, know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, them, yeah. Calculation abacai. devices. Yeah, whatever you want to use. <laughs> All that aside, he didn't have the car to flog everyone in the, in the Homestead race, the yes. season finale. He had to race his butt off with Kyle Busch charging, and he did it. This two years in a row. 
the best car at Homestead did not win the championship. In the case of Jimmy Johnson last year, he was he was a third or fourth place car, and in the case of uh, Martin Truex, he was a third or fourth place car as well. The difference is is that Truex had such a dominant season. It was kind of great to see them able to close the deal off and have that win and win the championship because I think it would have been a little awkward had they not won the championship. But but Woody's right on that. Rusty, your thoughts? Well, I, I thought the championship was amazing. I think the right four cars made it into the final four. I really do. I mean, you look how strong Kevin Harvick was all year long and then how Kyle Busch picked up at the very end. And uh, when they started that race, you know, we didn't see Martin Truex running strong like he did all year long. He struggled. I mean, he was hollering on the radio, I can't get the car to do this, can't get it to do that. Then finally, when it got dark and the racetrack cooled down, it's like it made his car better. Yeah, and Truex, my gosh, with the win in so many races, that just made total sense. Alex, how much did Cole Pern and Martin Truex Jr. change the game this year? They obviously changed it a lot. Just how much and, and what they changed, nobody really knows. And that's their secret that they're keeping in-house and good for them for doing it. But they absolutely changed the game. And with NASCAR implementing the new point structure, with the stage racing and the points that come along with that, they were out in front of the game on that. They had a plan figured out, and they figured out that if we go out and lead as many laps as we can, win as many stages, or get as many stage points as we can, that things are really going to fall into place. So uh, I think they changed the game with the way the game changed with the way they attacked this season in every single lap out there. The the point structure that NASCAR implemented, they said we want racing from start to finish. So the 78 team, they said, okay, we're going to do it. And they raced every single lap from start to finish. Going forward, any reason to believe that they won't be the favorites in 2018, at least to start when we get to Daytona? They have to be the one of the favorites to start the season, but – we all know how this works. When when somebody has that big of an advantage week in and week out, it's only a matter of time before the entire garage begins to catch up. So I think at some point next year, could be week one at Speed Weeks in Daytona. It could be week 13, could be week 30. Somebody somewhere is going to figure it out, and, and the garage will begin to catch up. That's just how it works. They're going to be good, no question about it. They're going to have to continue to work hard, and they're going to have to continue to elevate, and they can't come back and have that slump on the post-championship year. And those are the top 10 stories of 2017. Do you agree with our list? Let us know what you think by tweeting us at MRN Radio and use the hashtag AskMRN. That's going to put a wrap on this week's show. Our thanks to Joe Moore, Jeff Striegel, Rusty Wallace, Dave Moody, Winston Kelly, Alex Hayden, Steve Post, Woody Kane, and Kim Kuhn. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week right here on NASCAR Live. So long, everyone. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and Daytona Beach, Florida. And was brought to you by Hercules Tires. Right on our strength. Today's broadcast was produced by Rich Colbreth and Tyler Burnett. Remember to visit MRN.com to get all of the latest NASCAR news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life.
That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com.